that extra push something to happen in my life for me to be like all right i gotta go all in on this i've been wanting to do this forever you know so i had no idea what that looked like i just knew more than anything i'm a fan of coffee hello to all the coffee lovers i'm your host jackson join me as i interview inspiring individuals to hear how they discovered their purpose and found the courage to pursue it Today's guest is Lan Ho, founder of Fat Milk, a Chicago-based Vietnamese coffee brand. It's not every day that you meet a coffee entrepreneur with a PhD in pharmacy. I had a great time chatting with her about her journey, and I loved hearing that our careers don't need to be defined by what we studied. When you know deep down what you really want to do, you find the courage, even in a pandemic. I was born in Oakland, California. So my parents met there um, as refugees from the Vietnam War. That's where they they met and had their family. And so my siblings and I, you know, were all born in California, still have a ton of family over there. Um, about when I was five or six years old, my parents moved my entire family to St. Louis, Missouri. So that's essentially where I was I would say born and raised in a sense, because I really don't remember too much about uh, California, but uh, raised as a Midwest girl um, in St. Louis and really came from humble beginnings. Um, You know, my parents worked a ton, um, you know, as typical kind of, you know, immigrant parents who really try their best to give their their children a better life. So um, they weren't really present um, as much, but I have two older sisters and a younger brother, so we're all super duper close. Um, and I would just say, you know, growing up in St. Louis, um, just, you know, really learning to kind of figure out who I was. I mean, obviously, I wasn't, there wasn't a ton of Asian people mm-hmm. around me, but um, just really trying to navigate. Uh, growing up in the Midwest and making friends and all of that stuff. Um, so I think to answer your question yeah. in terms of like how I kind of was when I was younger, I would, I would probably say I was really, you know, fearless and adventurous. And I would probably say really curious and creative. And are you based in Chicago now? Yes. Yeah, so after pharmacy school, um, a year after pharmacy school, I ended up moving up to Chicago. So that is where I currently reside. Got it. So jumping back a little bit to, to your childhood, um, as a kid, were you kind of the sporty type? Were you super academic or artsy? How would you describe yourself back then, maybe in like middle school and high school? Yeah, I would definitely say I was a sporty type. Um, I was a huge student athlete. I probably competed in every sport under the moon, (laughs) but like every season, um, there was something that I did. So in the fall, um, my first sport was track. I ran that for about six years, um, starting in middle school, um, dabbed in a little bit of cheerleading, uh, played basketball in the winter and lacrosse was my main, main sport. So I was very, um, athletically driven in addition to, um, you know, of course, being academically driven as that was the yeah. expectation of my parents. <laughs> so. so, I mean, it sounds like you basically had a sport for every season. So that probably yes. kept you busy. Um, did did pursuing sports as a career ever cross your mind or were you kind of more expected to be on that traditional path? 
You know, I, I definitely thought about it. Um, lacrosse. So the first year that I played lacrosse in high school was the first year that my high school even had a team. So it was a club sport mm. at the time. And I just picked it up because I, I was curious and I thought maybe I would be good at it, but I ended up being great at lacrosse and, yeah. you know, was offensive player of the year. Um, MVP in high school ended up getting recruited my junior year of high school to play at a collegiate level. And uh, yeah, so when I played in college, I I do remember thinking like, how far can I really go with this? You know, I mean, lacrosse isn't like, you know, the soccer for women in the US or anything. It was still kind of having its moment. Um, and it's, it's more popular in the East coast of anything. Uh, so I definitely thought about it, but I knew realistically it wasn't really a career choice for me. Um, and at the time I was a, you know, biology major. Um, and I remember my advisor telling me like, just to quit sports altogether. Like it wasn't going to do me anything, Mm. you know? Um, I don't know why that's like so profound to me, but I remember her saying that. So you mentioned that you were a biology major. So I want to go mm-hmm. back to high school a little bit. Um, at that point, was there already something that was kind of t- pushing you towards the science path, or how did you, how did you, how did you pick biology? The sciences was just something that was kind of expected, right? Like it was mm. just going into any of the sciences, either that be biology, chemistry, physics, whatever that would essentially probably set me up to uh, have the most success in the future. Um, I think my parents definitely influenced me in making sure that I chose something that was um, going to make me the most successful, whatever route I decide to go, either that be, you know, being a medical doctor, pharmacy, dentist, whatever that is. Um, But yeah, no, that definitely... I was definitely influenced by my, my family um, to go in that sure. direction. I almost didn't know any different. I mean, were there any other majors that you were considering or was, was that the only one? At that age, yeah, that was the only one. I mean, I couldn't even imagine thinking yeah. anything else. I mean, if I could go back and I, was, I wasn't influenced by anyone, I mean, who knows? I, I probably would have went into like, I don't know, maybe fashion or like, I, I, I honestly have no idea. Yeah. I probably would have just picked something because it was interesting to me at the time. Right. Um, but yeah, it was always going to be something science related. And so how was your undergraduate experience like as a biology major? Yeah, so I started off in biology. I didn't really make a huge push, but I ended up becoming a chemistry major. Oh, okay. um, and really just I think for that switch, I just kind of enjoyed the more uh, math-based chemistry and analytical part of it um, compared to biology. Um, And then there was a degree that uh, offered me a a concentration forensic science. It was like chemistry with a concentration um, in forensic science. So, you know, I just thought that was really unique and cool because for a while, I thought I was going to be a criminal lawyer. and go in that direction. So, I mean, it was definitely challenging. Um, I still didn't really know what I was going to do with that degree, but you know, it was one of those things where you finish what you start and, um, yeah, it was, it was just something that you kind of had to do growing up, you know? Yeah. So then after, after your undergraduate experience, did you go on to just become a criminal lawyer? 
No, I ended up um, not knowing what the heck I was going to do, to be honest. And I continue on to get my master's um, in something business related. I ended up getting uh, my master's in finance with a concentration in like um, healthcare. And then I ended up going to pharmacy school. So for me, it was always something, I think it was ingrained in me that I always wanted to do something business related and that. I was going to have my own business one day, um, didn't really know what that looked like or how I was going to go about it. But um, after getting my master's, I, you know, ended up deciding that maybe I needed to go to more school and uh, apply to pharmacy school. And I think after I reached the top notch of all degrees, that's when I really, you know, had to face the reality that it was time to go to work. So, um, yeah, I, I think after getting, you know, the, the big doctorates is, is if there was something above doctorates, who knows, <laughs> like I probably maybe <laughs> would have gone another few years or something. But I mean, I, I essentially hid behind textbooks for the wow. most of my 20s. So, so how yeah. many years total would, have, would that have been um, for all your degrees? Um, after high school, 10 years yeah. in higher wow. education. Yeah. You touched on this a bit, but did you kind of view it as a way to buy yourself more time to figure out what you wanted to do as a career? You know, probably, um, probably for sure. I, looking back, I don't think there was ever a moment where I was like, I'm so over school. Like, let me just get to working. It was always like, okay, what degree do I get next? You know, right. like where it was just easy. It was just easy for me. I was so used to standardized exams, applications, um, you know, I don't know, gathering letters of recommendations. Like it was just so innate to me, um, to go in that direction until I couldn't go any further. And, and so at the end of your pharmacy program, um, did you become a pharmacist? Yes. So I actually, yeah, started working. Um, yeah, I became a pharmacist, had a um, dear friend, he was actually my preceptor. Um, while I was in pharmacy school, he ended up hiring me on at a, a big retailer, uh, Fortune 500 company, and um, ended up working there for two years. It was everything I expected it to be. Um, I think pharmacy school really sets you up nicely to expect what being a pharmacist is really like. I know in some other professional schools, um, a lot of times you don't work while you're in school, but in pharmacy, it's pretty standard to have a, a a job while you're in pharmacy school. And so for people who get out, they're pretty set up to be integrated into the workforce. Um, and so, yeah, our, our entire last year of pharmacy school is all about rotations. It's where you actually get real hands-on experience. So I was very familiar and, uh, with, you know, how things were going to go after pharmacy school. And um, I ended up going into community or some people say retail pharmacy. And um, it was exactly what I expected it to be. And so since you already had a taste of pharmacy before even graduation, um, was it something that you were looking forward to, like entering the workforce full time as a pharmacist? Or what was your attitude attitude towards that? It was something that had to be done. You know, for Mm. me, I've been in school for so long um, and I just was eager 
to yeah. make my own money and figure out where, how I was going to spend it and things that I was going to save for. And, you know, so for me, I, I was, I was eager to start working just to really understand work-life balance. That I've something I've never truly <laughs> understood or have experience with. I understand school-life balance, right, but work-life right. balance. Um, that was something that was really interesting to me. And it took me a while to adapt to that. Um, I still structured my days like I was in school and would, you know, you know how you like cram for a test or you like really spend your days like for a certain moment in, in, in school. It was kind of like that with, with work. Yeah. And um, I learned, you know, you go to work and you go home and you get to spend all of the other hours in the day <laughs> for personal development. If you want to join a, a club or like go shopping or travel or whatever. It was so weird to me. <laughs> so I was eager, even though I wasn't ecstatic um, about what I was going to do, I, I accepted it. And I understood that the experience was really what I was after. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I definitely think, you know, since joining the workforce, I have a lot more free time now than I did back as a student, because as a student, yeah. you don't, you know, you're studying for exams on the weekends, you're mm-hmm. you know, doing homework every night, but yeah, um, work life is, is totally different. <laughs> um, and so, so as a pharmacist in your two years, um, did you enjoy what you were doing? At first I felt like it was, you know, it's a learning curve, right? Like yeah. when you go to professional school, you hone in on one industry, one expertise. So, you know, in the beginning, um, as I am transitioning from a pharmacy intern to a pharmacist, there's so much unknown that I don't know. And there's a lot to learn and a lot to adapt to. And I feel like that learning curve is exciting. Like that's probably like the one moment in your career where it could be exciting or stressful or whatever the case is. It's a challenge at the end of the day. And right. I think during that time I was up for the challenge, but I think what a lot of professional, you know, people um, who go in this industry and in general, what they will realize is after that learning curve, it becomes pretty stagnant. And um, I think after the first year, it's when I realized like, okay, I'm kind of ready for something else, you know? Um, And I think this is pretty common knowledge across the board for, Mm. I think, a lot of working individuals. I guess after the first year, um, if that was when you began to feel like the learning curve was flattening, what was going through your mind? Um, Did you envision yourself staying for much longer? Were, Were you doing other things on the side? Like kind of what was occupying your mind at that point? Yeah, I think, you know... If, if I could backtrack, I think probably the first day of working, I just, I kind of knew it wasn't for me. Um, so even though I accepted the challenge, it was something that I was always kind of, you know, in my mind fighting myself mm. with. It's like, do I really want to do this? Do you know what I mean? Like where I was yeah. going to go. I think in the first year was more where I was the most open-minded and um, like I said, up for the challenge. But afterwards, you know, that's when I really started actively you know, planting, you know, certain steps and, and really making small changes in my life to eventually get out of it. I do want to say it's so interesting that you said pretty much on day one, you knew it wasn't for you because that is exactly what one of my previous guests had said about her job. Um, And so that makes me curious. How did you know so quickly that it wasn't for you? 
it was just something that you, you just knew you couldn't imagine your life. Like it just, to me, it, it just, it was just a feeling like I just knew like, this is just not for me. Um, and to be completely honest with you, I probably felt that on the first day of pharmacy school, <laughs> if you really want to go back that far, but you know, I just knew it was something that was for me maybe right now until I figured out what I wanted to do. But I think deep down I knew it wasn't going to challenge me um, the way that I needed to be challenged to be fulfilled in my career. Um, You know, I got myself through 10 years of school, so I know that I could accomplish it, but does it really interest me to a point where I can do this for the rest of my life? I just knew the answer was no. Were you thinking back to what you said earlier about always wanting to start your own business? Was that kind of your end vision? The thing that really pushed me is like, I knew what kind of woman I wanted to be and what kind of life I wanted to have and the lifestyle that, you know, I've always dreamed of. So it was more internal for me than actually what I did in my day to day or my career. Um, It was more of a personal developing approach. If if you want to take it that way. But I mean, if I had to put a word on it, you know, I think finding and fulfilling my identity during, you know, certain chapters of my life is probably my biggest push to figure that out. Lan appreciated that pharmacy served a specific purpose at a specific chapter in her life. And it was certainly a proud achievement that capped off her decade in post-secondary education. But as her two years as a pharmacist drew to a close, her childhood coffee bug was as strong as ever. But how did she find the courage to choose change? And least of all, during a year like 2020. Um, now for, for the big question, how big of a coffee fan are you? I'm actually drinking coffee right now and it's 8.30 p.m. <laughs> um, but no, I'm, I'm a huge coffee fan. I've always... Man, I just, I, I love everything about coffee. It's, mm-hmm. I, I love the word coffee. <laughs> when I see it on the window and I've already had like 10 cups, I'm like, all right, let's go check out that coffee shop. Um, but no, I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan. Love everything about it. The smell, taste, the experience. And it's funny you say that you like the word because I think it's one of those few words that's pretty much the same or at least very similar in almost every language. So you right? can just go anywhere and say coffee and, and they'll know what you want. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, you run a coffee business now, but how did that originate? Was it at the same time that you were kind of exploring these other things during your time as a pharmacist? Yeah, I always wanted to do something coffee re- related, even prior to pharmacy school. I just thought it was, you know, you got to do something that you love and something that interests you. You know, I had no idea what that looked like. I just knew more than anything, I'm a fan of coffee. Um, So that idea was probably conceptualized years ago, maybe even while I was in college. I have no idea. Hmm. Planted that somewhere. Um, But yeah, I've always just thought about it. Really didn't, you know, started working on it until the last few years. Um, But Vietnamese coffee, for a lot of people who don't know, is such an integral part of Vietnamese culture. Um, It's, 
you know, like rice to us. We, we literally um, grow up on it and everyone around us is drinking coffee, like for breakfast, lunch, and dinner mm-hmm. type of thing. And so it's, it's a huge, you know, a prominent part in my culture and, you know, yeah. seeing it in my family and, and when we travel and that's just a must. So um, always wanted to do it, conceptualize the idea um, of fat milk, which is the Vietnamese coffee brand that I launched recently, yeah. um, about a couple years ago, probably incorporated the business early 2019, um, as a full-time pharmacist and really did not launch it or even really started to make plans for it until, you know, maybe eight months ago. Um, and it was just, you know, I always say it was God's timing the way that it happened. Um, I was a full-time pharmacist here in Chicago and during, you know, COVID and the civil unrest, there was a company-wide furlough. So I actually ended up getting furloughed from my job two years to date um, that I was with the company. And um, within those two months from the day that I got furloughed, um, I ended up literally meeting my partner, really putting in steps to uh, launch fat milk. And two months later, uh, you know, fat milk was launched and, you know, my job ended up calling me back to work and, uh, I decided to decline that offer. So, um, I don't know if there's any other perfect timing than the way that that happened, but you know, it was timing for me. So so just to back up a little bit, even, uh, you think you said two years ago at that point, you established it as an incorporated business. Is that right? Correct. It was April of 2019. But you hadn't done much outside of having the name or or had you? Not really to answer. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously when you incorporate a business, there's so much that goes into it. So, you know, I think the reason mm-hmm. why I was able to launch it within two months yeah. um, was because I've thought about it for so long, you know? So when you think of something and how you're going to do things and how it's going to look and the storytelling behind it, all of these things, you think about it, think about it. And when it actually comes down to doing it, you already have those puzzles, the pieces to the puzzles, and you just have to execute, you know? Um, If I were to launch this business two months ago for the very first time, not even having thought about it and, you know, just thought of the name, it would have taken us forever to actually launch, you know? Yeah. had I mean, had COVID not happened and you hadn't been fur- furloughed, wh- what was your, I guess, long-term vision for for this project? What were you? What were you? Was there a tr- transition plan that you were kind of going that, that were you, you were working through your mind? Absolutely, um, it was going to happen. Yeah. When I was going to pull the trigger, I had no idea. I felt like I needed, I needed that extra push you know, something to happen in my life for me to be like, all right, I got to go all in on this. I've been wanting to do this forever, you know? So, um, and that's exactly, it was like the perfect storm. Um, it couldn't have been orchestrated by anyone else, you know, um, but the Lord himself. And, um, it was just, it was just crazy the way that it happened. Um, because I was actually going to quit a month before I got furloughed, um, and ended up sticking it out for some, you know, financial reasons. And, um, a month later ended up getting that, that push that I needed and, you know, getting furloughed. I ended up, you know, getting a lot of, 
the, the benefits of getting furloughed instead of just quitting itself. So it worked out the way that it worked out. I mean, it was insane. So the timing that you got furloughed uh, mm-hmm. pretty much aligned very closely with the plan, with the timeline that you already had established for yourself, right? Essentially, you know, you have a plan and then yeah. you hope that you'll follow through yeah. with it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and totally. actually quit and, you know, do all of these, make these really hard decisions, but it was, it was essentially made for me. So it, it, I took it as a sign. And how did you come up with the name Fat Milk? Yeah. yeah. So Fat Milk is a, a play into, you know, some of the unique characteristics of Vietnamese coffee. So mm-hmm. in Vietnam, um, Vietnam is the number one producer of Robusta. Some people say Robusta, Robusta beans. Um, but it's essentially, you know, a, a bean that is highly concentrated in caffeine, antioxidants, and like has half the sugar. So it comes off as a really bold and people say bitter taste. Um mm-hmm. So in Vietnam, it's traditionally, you know, uh, the experience is, is the, the coffee with condensed milk. is It's very a common style of drinking Vietnamese Robusta beans. Um, and it's because it's the perfect pairing of like sweetness um, with the boldness of the bean itself. And so when I thought of fat milk, you know, I, I was just thinking of like some of the, the unique components and traditions of Vietnamese coffee. And I really just thought, you know, condensed milk with the bean. Um, condensed milk has a lot of fat, sugar content to balance out, a, you know, a, we call it cafe sida, which is the popular drink over there. It means coffee, milk, and ice. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just a way to tell that story. And why the two eyes instead of one in milk? So the double I represents the South Vietnam flag. Um, if you oh, look at okay. it, it's the coat of armor. It has three lines uh, representing the North, Central, and South Vietnam. And so, you know, the double I is just a play into the space between that. There's, you know, obviously two different flags um, mm. in Vietnam, uh, the North and the South. And so it was just a way to you know, really represent the Southern part of Vietnam where my family is from, in addition to my partners. Very cool. Love that story. Mm-hmm. Um, before I talk more about um, fat milk, I would love to dive deeper into kind of your decision-making process, because I think a lot of young people, or even, you know, those who are more mature in their career, they want to make a change or they want to start their own business or change industries, but they have a lot of fears, whether those fears mm-hmm. are, you know, am I going to be financially stable? Am I losing progress on the career, the path that I've already been on? Am I wasting my education? You know, a lot Mm -hmm. of thoughts like that might run through their mind. Um, Did those run through your mind as well? Absolutely. And so how did you, how did you think through them and how did you even communicate kind of this risk maybe with your family or friends and, and, and all of that? You know, I think the risk that a lot of, people like myself and people who are considering taking a career change, it really has to come down to timing. I always wanted to have my own business and and be an entrepreneur, but I spent 10 years in higher education. So I can't necessarily say F it and went and started my business. It was more so like it has to feel right to you. And I think sometimes if people make that decision to take a leap of faith without thinking it through or without considering everything, I, I almost feel like you'll go into it with so much uncertainty and so much fear yeah. that 
it would probably hinder you from making any kind of progress. So it's always going to be scary. It's always going to be a risk. But the timing for me, I, I couldn't deny it. You almost just have to wrap your mind and your heart around that idea and feel good about it. Like I'm going to do this and I'm going to accept everything that comes with it. And I'm not going to look back. And I think to your point, all change in any manner comes with its associated risks. And one big fear that people have is failure. If they launch Mm -hmm. a business, what if it doesn't work out? If they change careers or industries, what if they suck at the new, new job? How did you think about the risk of failure and, and what would, you know, and how do you kind of plan for that? I was so, you know, when you just get fed up, <laughs> there's no either <laughs> easier way to say, but yeah. you get fed up. I just got completely fed up with the narrative in my head of like wanting to do this and wanting to be this person and wanting to go out there and put myself out, you know, yeah. um, and, and start a business. And it got to a point where it's just like, you know, my mind is screaming at myself and she's like, just do it, you know, like, just like just shut up and just do it. Like you're so annoying. Um, (laughs) Like I'm annoying myself talking to myself, but like, it's not going to go away. Like if you truly are eager to be a fashion designer, like go out there and start your own business and sell ice cream or whatever the case is, start a coffee company. That voice is never going to go away. And so for me, I just got fed up with seeing other people go after their dreams and and taking risks and and being courageous. And I'm like, man, that, that could be me, you know? So for me, I'm lucky enough to say that if I fail, my backup plan is a six-figure salary. So I know a lot of people don't have that luxury. Um, I earned it going through 10 years of school. But um, that to me was my plan B, and I don't think it was the worst plan B. So I had to do it. Yeah, I I totally agree. And and in my upbringing, my mother has always told me like, there are very few failures in life that you can't recover from. So go ahead and take those risks, especially, you know, when you're, when you're early on in your career. Right. I love that. Um, yeah. I want to talk more about fat milk and what makes it unique in terms of, um, like the products you guys offer, um, and maybe the brewing technique. We'll love to hear more about that. I would probably say the biggest unique factor about fat milk is um, we source our beans from my partner's family's farm. So his uncle, his family actually owns this farm in Vietnam and no one else can uh, source their beans from them. So, you know, Vietnamese coffee, we're not reinventing the wheel in any way, shape or form. It's been Mm -hmm. around for centuries. It's, I think what we're really trying to do is just elevate Vietnamese coffee, celebrate it, um, you know, educate people on it and allow people to share, you know, share it and experience it and have it as an option on their, you know, coffee shelf. What has your business become and what do you hope it'll become, continue to grow into in the future? We launched literally about three months ago. So it's a brand new business. Um, and the reception of fat milk has just been tremendous. Yeah, people have just been so curious and excited about it. And when they try it, they love it. And, you know, we're just pushing to keep growing in, in, in 2021 and essentially make it a global company. And yeah. um, that's that's the end goal is to have Vietnamese coffee shared all around the world and have people recognize it for what it is. And I would love to 
eventually have a presence in Vietnam where we can help the local farmers there establish and advance their agricultural processes. For me, that excites me. Not only do I get to help the local farmers over there, but I get to go back to Vietnam and really hone in on my culture and my heritage and, you know, be better at Vietnamese. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I feel like that's probably one of the most fulfilling ideals of, of Fat Milk. That's amazing. And congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Um, Lan, so I know you spent many years pursuing your three advanced degrees. Um, looking back now, where do you think you know, the theme of education has fit into your journey of finding a meaningful or challenging or fulfilling career? And do you regret having spent that time in, in those uh, careers, uh, in those degrees? I don't regret it one bit because I feel like education gave me the push and the motivation. If I were to not have gone to school and just and just went straight into the workforce, I don't know if I would have the same drive. Yeah. You know, when I explain it, I kind of think of my experience with education. I felt so paralyzed um, in school and, you know, co- so constricted. And I've always, you know, imagined and dreamed of all these awesome things that I wanted to do. And now that I have the opportunity, I am going full speed, you know, and, and going all in on it. And yeah. could I have had the same desire to be successful um, had I not gone through that that chapter of my life I don't know but I know today that I am excited I am eager um, and I am just so ready to make my dreams a reality but to play the devil's advocate (laughs) on where I think education fits into defining anyone's fulfilling career I would say it doesn't Um, obviously mine is a little bit different. I've always went into school knowing I didn't really want to be in school, but for someone who's starting off, um, I would say the quickest way to figure out what you want in your career is to actually start working on your career. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think the faster you work and the more experience you have working, you know, from the bottom up or just multiple jobs or whatever that looks like, the more you figure out exactly, okay, I definitely don't want a job that's like that. I definitely don't want a job that's restrictive, like, you know, B. Um, I don't want blah, 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 blah. So for people who want to figure out how to create a fulfilling career, I say go out there and work. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah go and learn and have real life experiences and figure out exactly what you want out of your career. And I think that's the best way to do it. Yeah, I totally agree. I think um, the way that I see it is even if you, you know, take that leap of faith and switch to a job or a, a different career and you realize it's not for you, I don't see it as wasted time because like, like you said, every job that you get, even if you end up disliking it, it's teaching you something about yourself and what you're looking Absolutely. for. So I think it, yep. it could only drive you closer towards um, your end goal. If, if, you know, Absolutely. if there even is an Absolutely. end goal. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, I, I've learned so much throughout my formal education and as a pharmacist, even though I knew in my heart, there was something more to that, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm 
parlaying everything that I've learned during that time into my job right now, right now as a, an entrepreneur and, you yeah. know, in the coffee industry, it's, it's honestly crazy to me, some of the things that I've learned and how I'm applying it, um, to my current situation. Um, even pharmacy, like our fulfillment, the, you know, when we dispense medications and the organization of all of that, I'm realizing I'm structuring my fulfillment center yeah. to be exactly like a pharmacy. Lan, um, my last question for you is where can listeners try fat milk, Vietnamese coffee or order products? Yes, the best way to find fat milk is on our website. It's www.fatmilk.com with two eyes in milk. Um, you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. And we're hopefully this year, we're working on a lease right now for our first brick and mortar. So if you're in the Chicago area, you'll be able to experience it in person. But yeah, the best way is just through our e-commerce. Lands only at the beginning of her journey with fat milk, and an exciting one at that. Her story reveals a few important lessons that I think are applicable to many of us. The first is that your education or your degree is not the end-all be-all. If anyone can prove that what you study doesn't dictate what you do, it's Land. As she so wisely said, if you're trying to figure out what you want to do, then a great way to do so is to just get out there and try different jobs. If you end up loving it, then congrats. If you don't, then congrats again, because you've just learned something about yourself. There are ways to try new fields without committing to tuition right away, and I think that's all the more powerful coming from someone with multiple degrees. Lastly, plan B doesn't have to be complicated. If you try something and fail at it, then you can always go back to what you were doing before. If you're qualified to do what you were doing now, then you'll most likely still be qualified even after a small detour. I would love to hear what your takeaways were from this story and feature them in a future episode. To do that, or to leave questions or suggestions, you can email me at pathtopurposepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, it's a tongue twister. Catch you on the next episode.